Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I am joined by my fiance and co-host, Kelsey. How are you today? Good. Well, today we're going to be talking about actors who play the exact same role in every single movie, and I want to know if you think it makes the movies less enjoyable. Got it. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about how you can determine a movie is going to be bad. I'll explain that so to save you some time later down the line. I'll also review the new Tom Hanks movie. And then some movie news later on. With all that said, let's just get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, so I saw BuzzFeed put out this list. I love a good BuzzFeed list. You know I do, too. And they came out with a list of actors who play the exact same character in every single movie. And I thought it was pretty funny just because sometimes it makes it less enjoyable, and sometimes you're fine with it. So I'll give you the actor. You tell me if, first of all, you kind of tell that they play the same actor in every movie, and then if it makes it less enjoyable that they do. Starting with number one, Daniel Craig. They say he is the mysterious, smart guy with few facial expressions. So I thought that was, I mean, that's pretty right on with Daniel Craig. From him in the James Bond movies to him in like um, Knives Out. He's kind of just that dark, serious guy all the time. Do you feel that way about him? I haven't really seen many of his Bond movies. Okay. I'm also not a big James Bond fan. But Knives Out and just compared to like the trailers I've seen, I feel like that's pretty spot on that's kind of how you see him all the time he can play it very well and i think beyond the james bond movies once he's done with those i think that he's just gonna get those roles over and over again so i feel like he's a little typecast into that situation so for me i think it's a little less enjoyable because you don't get to really see his kind of range i have one that i would compare that to i wonder if it's on the list who do you got jason statham jason statham did not make the list but that's a really great one he only does the same thing he's basically Action guy all the way around. That's all he does. Does the accent in every single movie. 
That's another good one. Thank you. I, and also, I can't really watch him in any... Like, I couldn't take him seriously. If he tried to come out and do a dramatic role, I'd be like, I just see him as the guy, you know, from Fast and the Furious. Yeah. At number two on the list is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I thought this was a really good point because... Really, when you get The Rock in a movie, you are just getting The Rock. You hire him and pay him big money to bring in the audience. But basically, I think he gives the exact same performance in every single movie, even if it's really good. They describe him as the badass who kicks ass and takes names, which is pretty much what he does. In the Jumanji movies, he does that. In Rampage, (laughs) that's kind of his thing. Do you think that makes him less enjoyable? I don't think so. I think you know what you're getting with. A movie with The Rock in it. And it's fun, right? It is fun. I should also note that we watched Rampage one weekend when we had nothing else to watch. We okay. didn't just like really enjoy that one. I think we watched that when I got my wisdom teeth out. And that, we that sounds like, like a... 12 movies in a row. <laughs> so with The Rock, you're not... I don't really see him as a great actor. I think he's a good action star. But if it came down to just his acting chops alone, I don't think The Rock is there. I don't think that's why you want him in a movie. I don't think so either. I think you know that he's kind of not taking the most serious roles. Like he's some serious, but like he can still have fun with it. The thing I like about The Rock is he'll always post about his tequila on yes. Instagram all the time. And it made it to the point to when we went to try to find tequila, we we're like, well, The Rock says this is great. So that's kind of the influence he has of just getting people to pay attention to what he does also it was good it was good for the record (laughs) uh coming in on the list next is jesse eisenberg they describe him as the judgmental nerd who knows he's better than everyone which he really got that down when he played mark zuckerberg in the seltzer network and then i felt like he was kind of a hybrid of michael Sarah. he was like a nerdier michael Sarah with better acting chops which michael Sarah is also on the list So I felt like they were always those two kind of people. Like, if you couldn't get Jesse Eisenberg, you would get Michael Cera. I think Michael Cera is a little more in the comedy realm. Didn't really do... I mean, basically, what was his character in Superbad in every single movie that he did? Whether it was Juno or anything else. And he was kind of there for a little little bit and very popular and really hasn't done anything since. So I feel like they're kind of in the same category. Who do you like better? I'm going to go with Michael Sarah because I love Juno. Yeah, I would say Michael Sarah too. Aside from, yeah, I would go with Michael Sarah on that one. Coming in next on the list is Will Smith. They say he is always the good guy, even when he's the bad guy. I kind of disagree with this one, though. I feel like Will Smith has had a range over the years, whether he can do the comedy stuff, and then I know his serious, I mean, The Pursuit of Happiness was really good. Maybe some of his more serious roles weren't as acclaimed as he was hoping, but, I mean, he was Ali. I think he has more of a range than they're giving him credit for. What do you think? I would agree, because I think he's done, like, Hitch, mm-hmm. and then Pursuit of Happiness. He was also in the movie Seven Pounds. So I think he has a little bit of a range. Yeah, I don't think he should Men in Black. There you go. <laughs> I don't think he should have made this list. Shark Tale. Oh, yeah, the, <laughs> the Finding Nemo ripoff. Um, also on the list is Vince Vaughn. They describe him as an always grown-up version of his swingers character. And I feel like Vince Vaughn is pretty right up there. Like, he kind of... I feel like he doesn't really go into any kind of preparation when he does a role. He comes in and he's just Vince Vaughn. That's kind of his thing. That's kind of the charm of Vince Vaughn. 
I think so. Vince Vaughn is kind of like when you like walk into a test that you haven't studied for and you just yeah. do how you do. That's him in acting. But I, you know what you're getting again. I think that's why he and Reese Witherspoon didn't really get together very well when they did Four Christmases. Because you couldn't tell, though. <laughs> you couldn't tell, but she is so like dialed into her acting yes. and takes so much credit into like preparation and finding you know what her character is going to be like. And she said that he would just roll in on set, unrehearsed, and kind of go for it. But I feel that kind of shows in his performances. That's kind of what Vince Vaughn is. So he is kind of the same in everything, though. <laughs> uh, you also have Will Ferrell. They describe as an overgrown man baby in every single movie. Incredibly accurate. It's very accurate. Incredibly that accurate. That is too accurate. And Elf. Elf. literally what he's... That's the entire plot of Elf. Stepbrothers. And not to say, I don't think... If you want that, he does it the best. You kind of know you're going to get that same Will Ferrell in every single movie, especially now that he hasn't had very the same kind of hits he had early on in his career when he was really kind of the funny actor. I mean, in Daddy's Home too, he's essentially that character. He's essentially Elf again, even in a more ridiculous space. So I've feel that one and i'm also a little bit let down by that one because it's like every time he puts out a movie you want it to be good you want it to be funny but it's kind of just the same will ferrell gag again and again any defense on will ferrell but it's also still kind of funny because he yeah he's good at that role he's found his lane and it pays well yeah well, it pays well i mean <laughs> i can't blame him for taking the same role on the same lines of that one they have jim carrey who they say is the obnoxious irritating over the top guy i'm not crazy about jim carrey you don't you don't love him not really mm, i, I like him a think lot of anything that i like absolutely loved him in i like his more dramatic roles but i mean sonic the hedgehog last year pretty good i i still enjoy jim carrey and i feel like he has more range than a will ferrell he could do the sad dramatic movies he hasn't done one in a while but eternal sunshine man of the moon i just think of like bruce almighty Oh, okay. And I, I will go on the record that my ban of Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler is now lifted. I was uh, called out by a listener that I talked about them very frequently on every episode. So I right. banned them for all of 2020. I am mentioning them now because the ban is lifted. Did Adam Sandler make that list? Adam Sandler did not make the list. But again, there's... <laughs> I could think of quite a few within that same vein of just like... The comedy guy. Yeah. Um, next on the list is Timothy Chalamet. They describe him as the broody boy. Incredibly accurate. That, that is him. That's I don't know Timothy why, Chalamet but right there. I kind of have a little bit of a problem with him. Like, I don't entirely get him. I don't think he's that great of an actor. Like, I get the good looking part, and he has that kind of, like, look, and he looks like an actor, and he takes on, like, roles that are very critically acclaimed. But I don't quite get him. I'm trying to think what I've even seen him in recently because I didn't see Lady Bird. Lady Bird, yes. What's Little the one Women? That I'm of, so Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, Call Me by I, Your Name. I didn't see I've that seen one. all those, and I haven't seen Little Women. I, Lady I, Bird, yes. Okay, I know you're my fiance, but do you find him attractive, and do you get like why girls find him attractive? Not particularly. I don't get it either. And I could admit if I find a guy attractive, but I don't get it. I don't get the heartthrob in him. I've also admitted plenty of actors that I find attractive in front of you. So I, I see him Chalamet more, is not on that list. I just see him more as like a model than I do an actor. Like I'll see like GQ post about him on Instagram 
And I'm like, oh, he's wearing cool clothes. I was going to say, you love a GQ Instagram post. You I do. Will go shop the post. <laughs> I, I do. I am guilty of that. Uh, next on the list is, I think there's two more, uh, Robert Downey Jr. They say he is always an overly confident, snarky dude, which is kind of what he built his career on after Iron Man. Like, that's, he does that so well. And I feel that is Robert Downey Jr. Like, at his core, like, that's who he is. Because even when I see him doing interviews, or just people will see him randomly on the street. I feel like he's Iron Man. He acts like that in real life. Rich guy, confident, has cool gadgets, even when he's not Iron Man. And now that he's not playing Iron Man, he's doing things like Dr. Doolittle. Oh, I forgot about that one. And that's really all he's getting. I feel like he's one really serious role away from winning an Oscar. Like, I think he's that great of an actor. Like, before he was Iron Man... He did some really great stuff, but I think he just needs to take like that one, maybe two dramatic roles to kind of get people out of seeing him as Iron Man and then seeing him as like, okay, he can actually act. I think he's two away. I think Adam Sandler is far away from that because he did do Uncut Gems to where people were saying he got snubbed when he wasn't nominated, but I felt like he didn't have that really transitional process of people taking him seriously. I think... Robert Downey Jr. has a lot better chance of that. So, do you find it weird that people still see him as Iron Man? No, because I feel like he just became that character for so long. Because the first one came out in what? 2008. That's what I thought. So, it's been 13 years since that first one. And then he did all of the Avengers movies. So, I feel like that's just kind of what he built his role on. In the same way that people see Chris Evans as Captain America now. Yeah. I don't think it's such a bad thing. I, I think it's worse to be only known for one role as opposed to these guys are kind of known for like one characteristic. But I feel like it's so much them that they could still work within that. So I think there's something there at least. One more on the list is Mark Wahlberg. They say he always plays a hyper-masculine and extremely obnoxious man who ends up getting involved in some sort of action scenario. Pretty accurate. That is accurate, but I will say that I think Mark Wahlberg can take that character between comedy and drama well. Yeah, I I like Ted. I like Ted, but I'm thinking of all the ones that he did, like Shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the one that he was in about the Boston Marathon bombing? Was it uh, Patriots Day? Patriots Day, that one was good, but then you've got like Daddy's Home. <laughs> yeah, I think he has that, and I almost like him more as a comedic actor. He has range. Like, I think he's funny... But I also think he's kind of funny because you do see him as that hyper-masculine, strong dude. Right. And to see him, like, talking about Coco, it's funny. So maybe it kind of works in his advantage in that kind of sense. Is there anyone else you could think of that should have been on the list? Other actors, David Spade? I guess so. I don't even see him as that great of an actor to be... Rob Schneider. Okay. Just all of, like, Adam Sandler's group. So every Adam Sandler <laughs> list actor. There you go. All right, we'll talk about... The red flags you have to pay attention to whether you're deciding on to watch a movie or not. We'll do that next. 
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums, but I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby, with over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations. Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now we're going to talk about these red flags you should watch for before diving into a movie. And this is a movie podcast, and I try to watch as many new movies as possible so I can come on here and review them to give you guys an idea of what you should and what you shouldn't watch. But as I did last year, I watched a lot of movies, and it's still like 50 movies. So even if I watch one every single week, I can't watch all the movies. So what I wanted to do is break down things you can look for in determining whether or not you should watch a movie. Because I feel like I've got this down pretty well to where I can tell from a trailer if a movie's going to be good or not and whether or not I should invest my time into it. I feel like I've watched so many trailers over the years and know what kind of things to watch for, how the movie's promoted, everything from, you know, the trailer to the movie poster to how it sounds 
when you hit click play on like the first 10 seconds of a movie. I can pretty much tell if it's going to be good or not. Very few instances to where I've been tricked. The only time I can really remember recently was that movie Yesterday, which was about the guy who remembers all the Beatles songs, but no one else can. Now, that had a really great trailer. The concept was great. But within 20 minutes of seeing that movie, I was like, this is terrible. You were so angry after you I'm saw still that. angry about that movie. <laughs> so that's the only one that's really duped me. I have one more to add. Okay. Midnight Sky. Another one, a recent one. Now, there wasn't a whole lot of promotion into that one. There was still a trailer. There was a trailer, and with George Clooney attached to it, we thought it was going to be good. We thought, no way it wasn't going to be good, but it let us down. A little bit harder when it's a Netflix movie because they don't, I'd say they don't really promote them as much. They kind of just, once you turn on Netflix, you see that screen of like suggested things to watch that are new. So these are other things you can look out for. Number one, if it's a comedy and the trailer doesn't make you laugh at least once, don't bother watching it. If you don't laugh at the trailer, you're probably not going to laugh at the entire movie. Another annoying thing that comedies do is, but all the funny parts in the That's trailer. What I was about to say. That sucks, right? Then you go see a movie. I can think of um, there was a Melissa McCarthy movie, the one that she did with Kristen Bell that was called like The Boss, I think. Yeah. Or like the Girl Scout troop. All the funny parts were in the trailer and in like the first twenty minutes of the movie. And then the rest of it sucked. That's hard yeah, that sucks. And the thing about comedy, I feel like it's really hard to make a great one right now because I think we're trained differently to how we consume things that are funny. Like I'll get on TikTok and watch 10 videos and I'll laugh at eight of them, but it's instant gratification in like 15 seconds I get a laugh. To watch a comedy movie now, you're investing a lot of time. And if it's not just really quick, quick, quick laughs, I think you kind of get disconnected and think it's not that fun of a movie. So I think it's probably harder than ever now to make a comedy great. Like very few have cut through as movies that everybody has seen and thinks are funny. So that's a tough one. But if all the jokes are in the trailer, not going to be a great movie. If it doesn't make you laugh, don't bother with the rest of it. Number two, if you feel like the trailer told the whole story from A to Z, you're probably right. So if you watch a movie trailer and you pretty much get the plot of it from beginning to finish, like you already kind of know the entire story, there's really nothing else that the movie's going to show you. I feel like this is kind of the case with certain biopics to where you they like show you how they're going to tell this person's entire story. And if it's already like kind of you get what you want out of that trailer, there's no reason to watch that entire movie. They told it all in the trailer. And the other thing with that, if they're kind of putting so much information in the trailer to get you to watch it, there's probably nothing else to it. They've told you everything. So watch out for that. Number three, if all the good reviews come from one or two critics, it's probably a flop. So this is when you see a trailer on TV and you notice all the nice things being said and it's all from like Star Hollywood magazine. It's probably not that great of a movie. On another level, if they take reviews from Twitter and put it onto a trailer, it's probably a terrible movie if they're just taking random things. I feel like they do this a lot more online to where... They'll just grab random quotes from movies and like, hey, look, this is what some random user said on Twitter. Go watch this movie. So watch out for that, too. Number four, if the first few minutes include a casual conversation 
where they overexplain the backstory and the setup, the overall script might not be that solid. So basically, you can kind of tell this at the beginning to where they're oversetting everything up. Like there's two characters having a conversation and they're talking about, you know, all the background and too much detail. They're setting up why they're doing certain things and why kind of foreshadowing what's going to come up later in the movie. It's not going to be that great, that great of a movie. I think a great movie kind of doesn't have a problem with leaving some things a little bit vague and letting the viewer kind of interpret things and draw their own conclusions. If they're overly stating things, it's probably not that great of a script. How do you feel about that? Does that make sense? It does make sense. I think that's a fair, like, warning sign. I'm thinking of, like, good movies that have started where, like, you have almost, like, the end and then it kind of, like, rewinds. Yeah. And then it goes back. I feel like that's, like, when you know it's going to be good. Number five, if the ads say, laugh out loud funny, it's not that funny. It's kind of like when we all text our friends when they send them a, a meme, like, LOL, we're not actually laughing out loud. <laughs> and basically, like I was saying earlier about them taking Twitter reviews, if they're saying it's the audience laughing at it, that means critics hated it. Number six, if it's based on a true story that's happened in the last year or two, then they probably rushed through it and didn't take enough time to make it good. I kind of felt like this one, whenever like the movie script or the movie rights get bought up really quick and they're really quick to turn out a movie to be like the first one to put it out, that's kind of where I think it's not going to be great. I kind of felt like this in Bombshell, which I know you like that movie. I did. But I felt it was so soon from it happening that they probably didn't have enough time. You also fell asleep during that movie. So can you be an accurate judge? <laughs> I... It didn't keep my attention enough to stay awake. Okay. But it was also just very quick. And any kind of story that... I do agree with that, though. It was... The movie itself felt kind of rushed. Very rushed. But then at the same time, you think about the morning show and Apple was kind of dealing with all of that at the same like time frame. Yeah. And that turned out good. So maybe it was also just the people making it. That, too, also had better actors, I would say. So I think it... I think sometimes that news stories come out that people want to turn into movies or just people's lives come out, certain things about them, or a book comes out and they want to get be the first one to make that movie. They'll rush it to get it out. So I think anything that happens last couple years, it's probably not going to be great. Same thing with biopics. If the per I think if the person's still living, they probably have a little bit of influence on it and it's not going to be as great. I'm thinking of several things that have like come out or the book rights have been bought quickly and then made into a TV show or a movie and it's really good. And the one common factor is Reese Witherspoon and all of the ones I can think of. So if you're going to do a movie really quick, just make, make sure, sure Reese Witherspoon is, in it. is attached. The last one I have is if there's unnecessary nudity in the first 10 minutes, you can probably turn it off. I'm Wait, nodding my head at that <laughs> Nodding your head, which I'd say nudity is a very rare thing in movies anymore. I'd say maybe more in TV shows you you see it, but I feel like they've taken it away slowly over the years to where if something's rated R, it's probably not because of nudity. Yeah, I feel like anything I've watched recently would be like an HBO show. Yeah. Like they're the most HBO does. Prone. <laughs> HBO goes R. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those are things to watch out for. If you're trying to decide on whether or not to pick a movie, you see any of those red flags, don't watch it. Don't waste your time. That is all.
All right, it is time now for a movie review, talking about the brand new Tom Hanks movie called News of the World. I was a little hesitant about this Tom Hanks movie, which I think the general kind of thing that people feel about him is as long as he is in it, it's going to be a good movie. But I had a little bit of hesitation after I watched Greyhound and was left underwhelmed. So I decided to give this one a chance. And before I get into my review, here's just a little bit of News of the World. So she thinks she's an Indian now. She's something in between. Ladies and gentlemen, these are stories of men and women very much like you. Waiting for better days to come. Ah, you can't have her! And I'm taking her home! So first of all, if you want to watch this movie, it's going to cost you 20 bucks. And at the end of this review, I will determine whether or not it is worth that money. And... Let's get into a little bit what this movie is about, which I found pretty interesting. Like, the plot was great. It's about five years after the Civil War ended, and Tom Hanks is playing a guy named Kyle Kidd, who is traveling through Texas. And I love the, the way they depicted Texas in this time, because I'm from Texas, and there's a lot of great scenery in Texas. And this is a Western movie, so I thought the scenery set was perfect for this movie. So he's traveling through Texas delivering the news, which is apparently a thing that happened after the Civil War. And it was kind of just interesting to think about a time in the world where everything wasn't available on your phone like we do now or on the TV or even on the radio. He literally had to go from town to town, county to county, telling people the news and reading people the news, anybody who would pay to listen to it. And sometimes they didn't like the news, so... As he's traveling down, he meets a bunch of people, but it kind of starts with him meeting this 10-year-old girl who was taken away, and he is trying to reunite her with her family, and the whole kind of movie is basically an old-school road trip movie slash a western. It's Tom Hanks and this girl getting to know each other as he tries to get her back with her family, and along the way, encounter a bunch of people who want to harm them, who want to take the girl from him to get money for her. Not only that, they have to brave the elements. A lot of things go wrong beyond the people trying to harm them. It's the Texas weather and the other things they have to take on as two people just traveling on a wagon. So visually, I thought this movie looked pretty amazing. They captured Texas really well and did some really cool just visual effects that weren't anything over the top but just so nicely done that it was enjoyable to watch in that sense you also just have some really great acting here i think tom hanks is quintessential tom hanks in this movie but also in a scenario to where he's allowed to be a little bit different of a character than normally what you get from him i like him in kind of this grittier role him with a gun shooting people that was cool to see it's not a full-on action movie but it has some suspenseful parts that are like all right here's actually something happening in the movie and I would say I was really close to about a four rating on this. But when it comes to the third act and the kind of falling action in this movie, I felt like it lost me a little bit to where I kind of knew how it was going to end already and wasn't really interested to get to that end to where like the last 20 minutes I was a little bit checked out of it because I thought the best part of the movie had already happened. And it was kind of like, okay, they're just kind of dragging this on a little bit. And they should just kind of ended it a little bit earlier. It's two hours Felt it could have been an hour 40 max. So that was really my only kind of takeaway in the points for this movie. And what it comes down to is, is it worth the $20 to spend? 
because you can only rent it right now because it is being shown in theaters. So at the $20 price tag, with overall what I took away and enjoyed about the movie, I would give it 3.5 out of 5 wagons, which I feel like you have to be at least at a 4, closer to the 4.5 range to spend the $20 on it. So this one, I would say right now, it is not worth the $20 price tag. It's an enjoyable movie. If I would have saw it in theaters, I would have walked away thinking, hey, I got my money's worth there. But at the $20 price tag, if you're watching it with just one other person, it's still cheaper than a night out. But I don't think you're going to get something that you're like, okay, I'm really excited about that purchase. Like I was really felt like I got everything I wanted from that. So not quite there. I would say maybe wait later down the line to where they bring the price down to maybe like the five ten dollar mark. Like I think it's that more level of a movie. Unless you're just a super big Tom Hanks fan and you have to see everything he's in, or you're just a really big Western fan. Like I think it does it really well to where it's not really like a a cheesy Western. Like it's a really well done dramatic Western. But if you're just kind of skimming around trying to find a movie to watch, I'd say wait until at least the price drops on this one. That's what I think about News of the World. All right, let's get into some movie news now. This first headline is going to make you sad. You ready for it? Is it about a movie getting delayed? Nope. Oh. I have that later, but this one not pertaining to that. Okay. Has to do with one of your favorite movies. Bridesmaids? Yep. But they're not going to make a sequel? Yep. Nope. Nope. I don't want them to make a sequel. You don't. Well, don't ruin it. Kristen Wiig said she is not interested in a sequel. Don't ruin it. So you're good with that. It had magic. Please don't become like The Hangover 2 and 3. Leave it as is. I agree. She's basically saying that she wouldn't be interested in doing a sequel. And everybody else says they wouldn't do a sequel if she wasn't in it. Which I guess was an option at some point. But without her in it, I mean, what's the movie? Don't do it. I'm okay with that. That didn't make me sad. On the other spectrum of that, they announced that there is a Willy Wonka prequel in the works for 2023. They've already set a release date. Supposed to come out March 17th, 2023. It is the origin story on the Chocolate Factory owner. And I believe that Hollywood is now out of ideas is why they're doing this. (laughs) Now... This is bad. This is bad. Now, I didn't love the remakes with Johnny Depp. I didn't watch it because I don't like Johnny Depp. The first one is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. I would say in my top ten. Because it brings me back to my childhood. Like the original one. The original one with Gene Wilder. Like, that is a great movie. All except the part where they sing the Cheer Up Charlie song. That is probably the worst song in any movie in history. But aside from that, I think it's a perfect movie. Visually... The dry humor, just everything about that movie, I feel, is a classic. So when they remade it with a dark twist, I was out. Now with the prequel, they're trying to bring back, I guess, that kind of mystery that you had around Willy Wonka when the movie first started of, like, who is this guy? And I don't think that's a way to go because when you run out of ideas, the Last thing to do is make a prequel. I'm telling you, that's all they do. Prequel and remake. Prequel and remake. If I had to, I would pick a remake over a prequel. I feel a prequel is just kind of boring because they over-explain things. And they try to make a movie answering questions you had about the original. 
And I feel that it gets too into like what we were talking about earlier, red flags of them over-explaining things. <laughs> They're going to try to over-explain why he is the way he is and how he grew up. I just don't think it's going to be a great movie. Aside from that in movie news, Christopher Nolan said that his next movie might not be with Warner Brothers, who Christopher Nolan made all the Dark Knight movies. He made Tenet, Inception. All those movies have been Warner Brothers movies. And the thing about him is he is mad whenever they decided that they were going to be out on HBO Max and in theaters at the same time. He thinks it's kind of like ruining his craft. And I would kind of get it at his level. Like, I think he has that kind of pull to say, like, I don't want to work with you guys anymore. He'll go somewhere else and it doesn't really matter. It won't really affect his movies. But I think it's just kind of weird how kind of it makes him seem like a jerk. I was going to say, I'd also like to add, read the room. We're still in a pandemic. I know. Like, he he's really forcing this idea of, like, having everybody back in the theater. And they're not doing it to ruin your movies or, like, take away from what you've created. It's literally, you can't have people in a movie theater like this. So... While I, I get him and I get that you want your thing to be seen how you intended it to be. And if you make a movie like Tenet and you have people watching it on their laptop screen or their phone even, I feel like you're a little bit taken back by it. But I just think it needs to chill out a little bit. Relax, dude. People will watch your movies. And really, Tenet wasn't as great in a movie theater probably than it was that we watched here in the living room. I so. would have been even more confused because we wouldn't have had the subtitles. I know. So... I don't think that's a really great move for him. Like, I mean, he'll he'll be fine. He can make them wherever he wants to go, but he's just had that relationship with Warner Brothers for so long. That'd be interesting to see what he does afterwards. And then finally, I mean, basically, we're kind of seeing all the movies slowly get delayed again, which we did an entire episode about all the movies we're excited for in 2021, and now some of those dates have changed so I don't think I'll update every single time a big movie changes this because it'll be a lot. And if you're going back and listening to some of these episodes, I don't want you to get confused. But the latest one, the biggest one, is James Bond saying, no longer April 2nd, it's now April 8th, 2021. Oh, wait. I mean, October 8th, 2021. I like, first I thought next year, and then I was like, okay, October. So not that long. I guess that's when they're kind of thinking that theaters will be back in full effect, so... I guess everything may be moving towards later summer, early fall. But they're also not only having to delay them in amount of time to where theaters will be back up and running, but you kind of have to start playing the calendar game of like what movies are going to come out when and taking slots. In the same way, it's kind of like artists having to rebook their tours. There's only certain slots and certain weeks and certain days where you can put it to where you're not having up like the Matrix against... Black Widow against Matrix 4. I mean, like, all those movies coming out at the exact same time. So you also have to consider that. So I think you're moving it those amount of months and also battling other movies. So we'll just watch for this list. Hopefully all the stream movies will still come out on time, but we'll watch for it. It's been almost a year since we saw a movie in theaters. I mean, it's getting pretty close. Yeah, almost a year. I, like, forget what it's like. I'll see in... TV shows where they go to a movie theater and like, man, remember the movie theater, the smell of popcorn? I just want to go spend $15 on an overpriced Diet Coke and a box of peanut M&Ms. I, just, I miss that. I just want to sneak in a snack, pick my seat, have the full sound. That's you, all I want. I do love to sneak in a snack. I do love to sneak in a snack because like I don't like anything they have there. All right, so that will do it for this week's episode. But before we hop out of here... 
Got to give my shout out of the week. And this one is actually coming to us from the email. The email. <laughs> the email of the podcast, which if you don't know, it's moviemikeD at gmail.com. You can send me an email there with a question, a comment, a concern, a topic idea, anything you want. But this email comes to us from Francis. She says, hello, I'm not looking for a shout out or anything. Just want to say that I'm enjoying listening to your podcast and listening to your lovely fiance talk about movies, especially when you talk a bit about yourselves. Listening to Eddie and yourself talk about green lights and the movie La Bamba was a real treat. I myself am Mexican and appreciate when I can relate to someone who is on TV or on the radio as yourself. Wish y'all the best. Thank you, Francis. I got a lot of messages about that episode and about, you know, it being difficult to find people who are Mexican-American and anything else, like in TV or just podcasts or anything, and having somebody to identify with like that. So thanks to everybody who said things about that. Like, I felt like Eddie and I kind of hit a personal moment when we talked about that, that we realized that we both approach certain parts of our career and our lives in that way of like knowing that we wanted to be true to where we came from and what we're about and our background, but also like not it be our entire thing, if that makes sense. So thanks for all the messages about that. Thanks for the emails. If you want a shout out, you can email me. You can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram at Mike Distro, and I'll give you a shout out. How'd you feel about that episode? You enjoy that? Thought it was good. Thought that was a fun one. I am sipping my Nitro Flash Brew coffee, which I am a very big coffee drinker. You as well. I think that was the thing we bonded on very early on in our relationship. I drink a lot of coffee in this house. It's like our number one Amazon order. So much so that I forget how much coffee we drink and how much coffee normal people drink. We go through a lot. Someone asked me like how much coffee I drink in a day. And I think I said like, two i said two cups and they're like oh that's not that bad i was like well in the morning yeah that's like how you start the day (laughs) like i'll start the day with two hot cups of coffee normal coffee and then later we get like an afternoon oh but you forgot the bottled cold brew you also take oh dang i forgot about that one (laughs) so i'll drink the two cups of regular hot coffee why am i calling it hot coffee is that what people call it (laughs) i sound like an old person i'll drink two cups of hot coffee Later in the morning, I'll drink my cold brew that's usually bottled and then, or a can. And then later in the afternoon, I'll drink my afternoon coffee, which is usually a very big iced coffee. A very large iced coffee. But I just like black coffee sometimes with vanilla. I will say you got me drinking black coffee. I used to be very much like a latte, like some milk, a syrup. And then one of the first times I came to Nashville and stayed with you, you had nothing but black coffee. And I was like, uh, well, I can't function without coffee, so I guess I'm just chugging this. And now that's all you drink. Now that's all I drink. I but just, we drink good black coffee. Good black coffee. I think if coffee is good, it doesn't need anything in it. Like the taste of just the actual coffee should be enough. And I also drink it for the buzz. I love a good coffee buzz. And I feel like you get the sugar rush and other things from it when you start putting stuff in it. So I decided many years ago <laughs> that I'm just going to drink straight black coffee. And people sometimes look at me like I'm a psychopath when that's all I order. But that's how I like it. It is what we drink. And I like the really bitter stuff sometimes if it gives me a buzz, which this one I'm drinking is a Slingshot Coffee Nitro Cold Brew. 
And this is a lot more bitter, but there's 150 milligrams of caffeine. You also didn't shake it before you opened it. I know you're supposed to shake it. It's in a can. It's in a can. And sometimes these nitro ones, when you open them, it sounds like they're about to spill. So that's why I (laughs) I didn't shake it. But this one, it's all right. If you had to rank, not rank, but what is your, like if you had to drink only hot coffee or only cold coffee, what would you pick? Like for the rest of your life? No one that I could pick. Really? I think if I had to, had to. I would go hot coffee. I think hot coffee because there's something about like the ritual of like sipping hot coffee in the morning. Like, yeah, in the morning. Like I couldn't go straight from waking up to drinking a cold coffee. Okay, fun fact about me in college, I and my friends used to make fun of me. My dorm room had a mini fridge and on my way home from class the night before I would stop at Starbucks, get a latte, I would dump the ice out, put it in my fridge so that I could immediately have my iced latte <laughs> the next morning. So I have gone straight like iced coffee in the morning, but as I get older, I do like the ritual of like sipping hot coffee first. And I just like the feeling I get when I'm drinking like a hot coffee, especially like on a road trip. Nothing I love better than a stop at a gas station and getting a hot coffee, even if it's disgusting, not so great gas station coffee. I think there's a charm in that as well. And just having that right next to you, drinking a cup of coffee, getting that buzz on the road. It's probably my favorite feeling ever, I would say. So I would go hot coffee. Okay. I would go hot coffee too. And this has been Coffee Talk (laughs) on Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. If you're still listening. If you're still listening, know that not only do we love movies, but we love coffee. We do. We have a box full of our K-Cups. But Jess, please don't tell us they're bad for the environment. We know. I know. We know. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next Monday here on the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. And if you want any more coffee talk, we have a lot of that, too. Thanks so much for listening. Later. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.